podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show Week 1 Sunday in the bag. And we're looking back at all the action from yesterday and what a remarkable Sunday it was too. And that word is often thrown around, misappropriated, but it's bang on the money. When you look at the upsets, left, right and centre performances, both individually, collectively, that nobody saw coming. My predictions were way off the mark, but I'm definitely not on my own there. Our special guest this week, one of our old pro faves, of course, I'm Mike Carson. He'll tell you he was a little bit more accurate, but more importantly than that, he's going to break down exactly why things went down the way they did. Vintage wisdom from the big man coming up now. Mike, good to see you, man. Crazy weekend of results, even by contemporary NFL standards. A lot of upsets, of course, um, which I'm guessing means that experts around the globe, yourself included, are in some kind of disarray after their week one pick. So first things first, have you checked in on your nemesis, Prediction Supercomputer, because I'm I'm worried about (laughs) it. No, I haven't. Since I'm not publishing the the picks, you know, I'm not doing them. um, I don't bother. I don't bother to check. But... um, I mean, last year, I think I had a great week one. This year, I'm, I'm sitting at eight Not and so seven. Much. Oh, that's pretty wait, good. That's pretty waiting good. on Monday night football, obviously. Because um, I'm worried, okay. um, yeah. I'm worried um, I'm, that is in a bar in Reno drowning in sorrows right, <laughs> right now yeah. after that. <laughs> He's, he's kind of he's getting sprayed with compressed air on, on his uh, <laughs> microchips. Um, yeah. The uh, it was interesting because the betting column I do on on Fridays. Um, my best bet was Green Bay, <laughs> which if you're gonna if you're gonna go wrong, you might as go well up. go wrong big time. Go down but I actually made up for it with, with a number of other, you know, my other uh, ones were, were all pretty pretty good, especially mm. on over unders, where you know mm. going under on Pittsburgh and and the Bills and going over on the Chiefs and uh, Browns mm. were both very good. We like um, that. We had that on Edge Rush. That was uh, one of our uh, favorite picks, actually. And, and my best one, I think, was Seattle mm. to win. And the over-under to be under 48, which, mm. which played Came out well. So you did okay, but most of us didn't but because all kinds of shocks and upsets. And I know we can uh, overreact to the best of times to, to one <laughs> oh, you week think? of action. Week of action. <laughs> this, is national, this is national jump to conclusions week. <laughs> well, hey. I mean, I heard somebody say on a certain highlights program mm. <laughs> that everybody watches on Sunday – when a certain quarterback threw a touchdown in the first quarter of a certain game, well, their quarterback problems are solved now. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Edicke is, is uh, going to be all pro this season and insert 25 other ridiculous narratives. Well, look, but it's even more uh, complicated to, to work out what the hell is going on. And we're going to get into a number of uh, a number of those upsets and surprising performances both individually and collectively uh, around the NFL but we're going to start with uh, a game that uh, went as expected Sunday night football dominating display from the Rams the headlines Mike uh, unsurprisingly uh, concentrated on Matthew Stafford he had a great performance 300 plus yards three touchdowns uh, lots of stats flying around 156.1 passer rating which Elias Sports tell us is the highest ever by any player in NFL history on his debut with a new team but let's get beyond the numbers <laughs> Iron Mike let's get beyond the stats what were your main takeaways 
from well, the, the most the Rams offense in particular. Yeah, the thing the thing to me that a couple, the thing to me that stood out the most, they got him obviously to pass from the pocket, mm. and the long pass um, that was called back on the penalty to, to Dan Jefferson was a pocket yeah. pass, and it was the kind of pass that if you were if you were watching Detroit, um, Jared Goff has trouble with because as the pocket collapses, he really needs to to have room to, to be able to throw. Mm. Um, and, and that's when he threw through his interception. Um, I love the way that he got Tyler Hig- Higby involved in the offense a lot more because I've been saying, well, it was my theme during the Super Bowl when they only scored three points. You know, why aren't they running two tight ends more? Everett mm. Higby, why not? Um, so that that also was a positive. But, but the biggest play of the game for Stafford was a bootleg. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then wide open receiver downfield. And I, I'm sure Sean McVay is thinking that, um, you know, this, this is, this is exactly what he wanted from a quarterback and, you know, the poor bears. I mean, I mean, how much can you read from it? Cause yeah, wide open was the, is the operative phrase. There was a, as well as the time that Stafford had, there's a lot of, yeah, that was the one to that. Van Jefferson was the wide open receiver. It was Cooper cup who was also wide open on the one that was called back in the pocket. Yeah. But yeah, Van, Van, if they, if Van comes through and they've got three wides, yeah, that's a great, that's a great step. I love it. Van, we've been big on Van for a while on this show, but so, so how much on this, was it just a the particularly abject bears defensive performance, particularly in the secondary with, with the space being created because of McVeigh's uh, innovative calling and the execution by the line by Stafford. And obviously the receivers always, yeah. it was, how much can we read into how effective they looked offensively? I think, I think, um, there were some big mistakes, obviously, blown coverages by the Bears. And my right. theme with the Bears was that this is not Vic Fangio's defense. Um, mm. You know, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the same guys. They're supposed to be. But but it, it, it isn't really. Um, I wouldn't go crazy on it because also when you're playing a team whose offense is malfunctioning um, the way the mm. Bears is, it gives you far more opportunities. Uh, but sure. – it, it's it's almost exactly what we thought the upside of the bear of the Rams would be, mm. and the downside, and the ground game. How worried should we be about that? Not terribly, I don't think. Um, I think Sony Michelle will be a, you know, will be a big fit, a good fit when he gets more more carries. Henderson is okay. Um, it's a scheme driven offensive uh, thing, which and that's and the scheme should fit Sony Michelle better. Than the one the one New England ran, you know, zone the zone blocking scheme as opposed to the to the man. Elaborate. So why it, why would it suit him better than New England? Because um because New England it's run to the hole and this is run to space. Mm. Uh, run to run to daylight basically. You know, look look and then one one cut through. And I think Michelle will be more comfortable with that. Um, interesting. With that, I found it interesting that. Um, Ramondre Stevenson fumbled, and I don't think he got Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, exactly. He didn't get much more yeah. work. I saw you tweet. Um, uh, that's the last carry he's having this season. <laughs> I, of course, I naturally drafted him in my in my dynasty fantasy league just moments before. Uh, yeah. And incidentally, Mike, on the on the on your Twitter action, what was the over under on how many tweets you were smashing out on Sunday night? Was it one hundred and four? It you- wasn't that many. It, it, what they did, they came in bursts. Mm. <laughs> um, where I actually settled down and, and watched for a, for a little while, but I find red zones yeah. very frustrating for that because. Mm. As you're tweeting, you're missing whatever it is that they've gone to next. To next. And and the problem with red zone, as I always moan, is that you only get most of the time one chance to see something. Yes. So when there's a penalty, you rarely get 
the replay that shows you whether it was or wasn't a penalty, which is obviously more and more important in today's NFL. Who cares um, about substance and, and detail? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get to the next thing. And, and then I get so involved in, in like listening to, to dumb things that get said <laughs> and, and being, being, being Waldorf sitting, rem- sitting up in my, in, in the box. You know. I remember you went through a phase when we were doing the late night games where, where I guess of early era Carlson Twitter, cause it would have been early era ish Twitter where you would be just typing away to live tweets as they were coming in <laughs> while the game was going on just and you, again you went through bursts of doing that and i used to have to say mike come on we better we better watch the game even when you were doing that even when it looked like you spent well you were spending x number of minutes like tapping away fast i'm sure acerbic responses you were still completely on top of what was happening on the screen as well I was thinking, how is this guy doing this how is he watching both things at the same time Multi- multitasking you are multitasking. I, if I could, imagine what i could do if i could actually touch time uh, <laughs> Fair. It would, they never taught us typing um, and those were in the days in the days of typewriters but yeah rams i think rams and, and niners showed us pretty much mm. uh, you know exactly what they are and seahawks remember their new no one seemed to make much of this, um, but their new offensive coordinator, Shane Aldrin, Aldrin, yeah, and and from the Rams, and all of a sudden they looked like a team with an offense, like a balanced <laughs> offense, rather than rather than like run, run, okay, Russ, bail <laughs> us <laughs> help, out. Help. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk Hawks in a minute. I just want to stick on on uh, to get the Bears' perspective then, because they, well, like uh, the 49ers obviously did with with Trey Lance, uh, wheeled in. Justin Fields to pinch hit in a different kind of way, of course, but nevertheless, an equally effective way. Uh, we saw that to the degree with Taysom Hill and the latter era Brees at, at the Saints. Tyrod's done it a few times as well, kind of coming in and spelling when he hasn't been the starter. I think he did that the Chargers after he lost the gig. Are we going to see this more and more in the NFL, do you think, Mike? This pinch hitting quarterback coming in at certain situations, or is it just a freak right a now because se- of the setup? Yeah, in a sense, probably yes, because more young quarterbacks are being thrown in earlier mm. um and there is a, a big adjustment adjustment period i saw someone said someone said the 49ers were platooning garoppolo and um <laughs> and uh, trey lance lance took four snaps right <laughs> i mean yeah he threw a touchdown pass with one of them which is great you know and, and absolutely great if, if you can use him in, you know as a change of pace on site but platooning it's a little platoon <laughs> yeah we'll call it um platoon. i i actually it's funny. I, I, I wrote. A, I was going to write a piece for Gridiron about quarterback platoons because the you know the book is. I think it was a Bill Parcells quote. If you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have any. Any, yeah, right. Um, but that's not true. I, and I and and I said to the editor, you know, we can do a top ten. He said, well, who would they be? And I got eight. I did eight off the top of my head. Mm. So making a top ten wouldn't be hard. But they couldn't find any art on some of them. Because oh, that was it. whatever picture service they used to so many photographs of these guys going back to, to, to the thirties, you know. <laughs> and by post-war, I don't mean Vietnam War. Um, so yeah, so um, that that's so, probably going to be a dead duck unless somebody else is, is interested in it. So inevitable question coming your way, and hey, I, I often uh, ask the obvious. Uh, I'm Mike, as you well know, but fields everyone saying. God, preseason. When does he get the gig? The Bears fans want to see him. We were chatting with Greg Rosenthal on the show last week, and he said, mm, he's still pretty raw. Let's not get carried away. But yeah. given the way the offense played, which wasn't terrible, Dalton wasn't terrible, but it didn't have the X factor. How long do you think before they... they to me, yeah, to me, the key thing in. is, you know, they drafted a tackle and he's out for the season. 
Tevin, mm. Tevin Jenkins. They then signed Jason Peters, and he's now out with a calf. I don't know what the injury is, but given his history, um, Jason Peters has an injury history because I think because Jason Peters had to bulk himself up when he moved from tight end to tackle way back at the start of his career. Interesting. So he's always had these this run of injuries. Then they brought in again Larry Broom, another rookie, and he hurt he hurt his ankle. <laughs> yeah. So if their offensive line is no better than it looked against the Rams, and the Rams are a tough ask with Aaron Donald in the middle of the line, I think you'll see Fields earlier rather than later because he can move yes. in, in the pocket and he might be able to keep himself alive longer than, than Andy Dalton. They would be worried that they're throwing him to the slaughter though, if they, if they make that move. Well, yeah, but they may not have a chance. Mm. And that's, that's the thing. And, and nowadays when you draft a guy like that, there's very few teams that can draft a quarterback early and then keep him on the bench right. you know, as, as the momentum builds to play, to play him. I mean, yeah. financially you can do it now. That's the fun. That's the, Interesting part because of the the first round rookie contracts, you, yes. you could actually afford to do it, you know, yeah. because you're not paying big money. But uh, but teams don't are yeah. are, are loath to. Okay, let's move on to Green Bay, which we've already uh, referenced at the top of the show. Extraordinarily <laughs> I, bad performance from from them. As Aaron I Rod- tweeted, as I tweeted this morning, Aaron Rodgers pointing, he says. I'll take embarrassing losses for a thousand dollars. Yeah. Cue the jeopardy gags flying around left, right and center. He felt to me at one point early on when it was going from bad to worse, it reminded me a bit of the of bad agent Cooper from the, the new series of Twin Peaks. <laughs> look, 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 like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He, I mean, was Aaron Rodgers at all. He, he looks so petulant um, as yeah. everything's going wrong. And, and, you know, Matt LaFleur, the weird thing to me was watching it. Their offense looked like it was Mike McCarthy back. And, mm. you know, it, they didn't, there was very little imagination to it. And they gave up on the run very early. Yeah. Uh, and it was a series of, you know, and, and the key to this game though, and, and every, to put everything into perspective, um, there were, I, I hadn't realized that I am, I kicked myself for not realizing, but the Saints requested Jacksonville for a reason mm-hmm. because Rodgers has never played well in Florida, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And why not? The heat, what was the heat? Well, that was the thing. I think the heat was having an, an, an effect on the Packers line. And the yeah. Packers line is not ready. You know, we, we think of them always having a good offensive line, but Rodgers generally makes them look a little bit better. And the young players have not quite been coached up to being ready. Um, but but the real the real thing is um, it was it was up front that that game was won by the Saints. Mm. Their offensive line played very well um, again, yeah. against against the Packers. I I didn't think I thought the Packers needed to be more aggressive. Um, than they were kind of like a m- more Mike Pettin and less Joe Barry. Uh, the key play in the game, well, not the key play in the game because they were losing, but their one chance to get back in the game was that horrible roughing the passer call on Zadarius Smith mm. when they finally get some pressure. And then and Zadarius Smith of the Smith brothers was the one who didn't have a great year last year. Um, he does everything exactly right in, in hitting the quarterback. You know, avoids avoids the head. Goes, yeah. goes with goes with the shoulder yep. in the middle of the chest, doesn't slam him down, yep. just push it, and they throw the flag. I, I, even Mike Pereira 
was brought in and said he didn't think it was flabbergasted. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about but, the, the Saints line. You make a great point there because it was ugly on both sides of the ball for, for Green Bay and they couldn't get any pressure at all. Winston was pressured on just four of 20 dropbacks. Yeah. So yeah. It, uh, the two are obviously interlinked that, you know, that defense playing poorly puts more pressure on the offense. They're forcing the issue. They had the, that red zone pick as well. But on the, on the, Packers offensive line, because this is an interesting stat. Producer Old dug out uh, for uh, via NFL Next Gen, I think. Rodgers competed as 4.15 when he had more than two and a half seconds to throw, uh, which I, yeah. thought, I thought was interesting. That it, it's really on the offensive line. It's really interesting because that's the key to the game. The Saints basically played man coverage the whole game. Mm. Um, and Dennis Allen, and, and when he wasn't in the slot, they had uh, Lattimore on Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. Uh, their secondary played brilliantly. Rodgers mm-hmm. didn't have people to throw to. Everyone was man-covered and man-covered pretty well. He had to consistently make really good throws just to get minimal minimal yardage. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was the key to the game. Now, the pressure helped, obviously. Um, and um, you don't get... Um, um, you don't get you know that kind of coverage without being able to get it. But I, I would have loved Jameis's stats if he hadn't completed that last touchdown pass to Deontay Harris mm. because he would have had like four touchdown passes on less than a hundred yards. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it would have put, it would have been beautiful. It would have been uh, you know beautiful. Um, well, he's comeback player of the year, Mike. Surely after that, uh, he could be, he could well be. Although you know we forget. He, he was mistake prone, obviously, in Tampa. But, mm. you know, that last year in Tampa when they went 79, he threw 33 touchdown passes sure. in over 5,000 yards. He just had a lot of and, – and I was looking, you know, look at the receivers for New Orleans. You know, Michael Thomas is out. Michael Thomas is their Devontae Adams, right, mm. high draft pick and all. Right. Um, Traquan Smith is out. Um, the rest of the guys are all undrafted free agents who they – sign themselves callaway juan johnson deontay harris from assumption college um Mm. and little jordan humphreys chris hogan from the lacrosse league had had a td catch (laughs) i mean and he was he's one of the few that was was and ty montgomery the ex-packer showed up randall cobb's now back in green bay yes Green Bay, all of their guys are like other people's undrafted guys that then got released um, but they drafted Amari, um, Amari Rogers, Aaron Rogers, little brother, um, this year. <laughs> and not round, related. Don't, listen, round, don't believe it. In round one. three. So where's, what's um, going to happen with Rogers? So, so I, I'm, my point is, I mean, I'm being long-winded as usual. But my, <laughs> my, my point is that um, Rogers, is, with- Rogers is moaning about not, the, not having the supporting cast. Mm. I mean, look at New Orleans and, and over the years as well. Yeah. Um, what they've done, what they've done with a supporting cast that they you know, sign off out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a great point. Well, on Rogers and his moaning and it was one of the, the dominant narratives of the off season, of course, and he looked, uh, and you've already alluded to it as usual or, or typically petulant self looked well frustrated anyway, petulant maybe overstating it a bit, but he looked increasingly frustrated, sends everybody into overdrive afterwards. How long before he's dealt? How long before he's traded? How much should we read into how bad the performance was from the Packers and given Rogers's temperament generally, 
at the best of times, let alone going into this season. Could you conceivably see it all unraveling or are we going to be back to normal next week? The Packers rack up 38 points and in motion and, and they're setting on their way. What's your instinct? I think, I think they'll probably be back, especially when they get into their division, which you know, the Vikings look under, looked underwhelming um, against uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. The, um, I, I hate, you know, I always say, and we always do, I hate to be a psychiatrist, um, you know, or a therapist and all, but Roger, I wonder if this constant, not always stated, but moaning about what's around him mm. and the visual throwing the guys under the bus with his, with his facial expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't try you and know, hide it. If it doesn't have some kind of effect on the re- on the rest of the team, I, mm. you know, I mean, realistically, he's your star quarterback. He's one of the greats, and, and you know, you you have to cut him some slack. I do think if the, I mean, the Packers should win that division going away, even based on what they, you know, just assuming uh, we assumed too much for them in this game, but but if they weren't, if they didn't, then the smart thing to do would be to unload Rodgers. Yeah before the end of the season to a team in desperate need of the quarterback. Mm. Um, Denver aren't going to be interested now, the way that Teddy played. I, liked, I, I mean, I, I was saying I, I couldn't understand why there was even a controversy. Mm. Teddy was such a, a good, fit good fit for a team. If their defense is going to be as good as it potentially could be, yeah. what you want is a guy who makes good decisions, won't, mm. won't throw the ball away too much and can keep plays alive if he has to, which is Teddy Bridgewater to a T and, you know, he's kind of had a long comeback. Um, it's interesting that in New Orleans, he went 5-0 and as a starter, you know, show, showing how, I wouldn't say easy it is, but how Sean Payton can make life relatively easy for a quarterback in the yeah. system. He didn't play badly in Carolina, but there wasn't a lot around him, especially after Christian yeah. McCaffrey um, got hurt. And it was a yeah. new, a whole new, a whole new system. So yeah, I, I wasn't surprised in the least. Um, you know, I had Denver over the giants, like I, I think anybody, anyone saying probably did, although, you know, the giants at home is always that Daniel Jones could have a big game, you know, first game back, but you know, it's like, didn't you used to be Saquon Barkley? <laughs> <laughs> reminded me actually on, um, just thinking who, when we were predicting on, um, the Edge Rush show, and you just reminded me that uh, Matilda the Cat made her first appearance, uh, I think, in the history, history of the pod, very similar to Rufus's cameos. And we were suggesting, and she was very big uh, on the Falcons, which, you know, in retrospect, was maybe not the, not the hottest take. Um, well, cats like birds, you know. This, is, this, this, this does make sense. Uh, we were suge- looking at it, Mike, and producer Ola and I were thinking that maybe we can get Rufus and Matilda the Cat together for a, for a show. <laughs> Kind of like <laughs> it would be fun, you know? and I'll tell you exactly what would happen. And I don't know if, if this will be on video or not, but Rufus will walk into the room and then go and freeze <laughs> like that, and just point and stare at her. And, and the cat, if she's a if she's a normal cat, she'll she'll either just go. Oh. Yes, and roll out on the floor. <laughs> and sit there and look, or maybe walk away slowly. You know, I, I can't be bothered. Sounds like this. a great show. I think we should we should explore it. I might. Let's talk Chiefs Browns next. A shootout as uh, we expected. Great that was game, of, wasn't that a great game? Wasn't it a great game? Uh, the Chiefs uh, uh, winning it, but a lot of positives for the Browns to take from that. Not least, I think, Mike, the the composed performance from, from Baker Mayfield. Because I think when you look at this 
organization that is laden with talent, if you're thinking about a deep playoff run, possibly even a Super Bowl run, still feels that Mayfield's the biggest question, right? But he he looked on point. I'm, last I'm not night. sure. I'm not sure about that um, because I thought last year he played pretty well, and and he plays within what they want to do. Um, obviously, they they miss OBJ um, mm. because when he's back. Again, I, he's he's not what OBJ was, but he's a, a second receiver. You know, they they can't do everything with Jarvis Landry, although mm. you know he'd like he'd like to. Um, do you think he can bounce back Beckham this year? I mean, uh, he, we can, I but think, do you think it's likely? I think to, I think to the use to the level of being a, a, a good contributor, mm. uh, maybe not to being a superstar kind of thing, but they don't need him to do that. Mm. Um, you know, they really want to have. They just need to have multiple options on multiple levels. Um, and I, I think this kind of fourth quarter thing of not being able to control Mahomes and then you make a mistake and you get mm. punished for it um, is what they need to overcome. They, they brought in secondary help in the offseason to stop those 75-yard passes to Tyreek Hill. And yeah. that was like the one in the Super Bowl, the 40-yarder against yeah. San Francisco, where Mahomes throws up a giant maroon that, you know, but Hill's the only one in position to see it mm. and, and, and make the catch. Um, and it, so it was, it was a remarkable play. I thought, you know, they, they what was the lead? 20, 22, 10, I think mm. that they led at one yeah. point, you know, I'll take that, you know, against the chiefs and, and figure I should be able to, to hang on to it. Um, now, granted, they didn't have Terran Matthew and Frank Clark, so their defense should be a bit better. But you know, um, I, I really think that this is the this is the dream matchup for the AFC Championship mm. because of the offensive possibilities um, in, in both in both teams. I mean, I'm not saying Cleveland Cleveland's going to get to that final, but but I think in terms of either a tight game like this one, which mm-hmm. actually it wasn't a shootout, but it was still a 60 point game, you know, and, and, but it didn't feel like a shootout, like, you know, like the game against new Orleans a few years ago, it was supposed to have changed football forever. Um, so I, I, that's why I thought it was just a brilliant game. I want to key in a bit more on the, your point in, in terms of depth. You mentioned the Browns, they need Beckham to step up and that's a fair point. You look at their receiving core, but I've already seen, uh, one or two hot takes uh, this morning on the Chiefs, um, in particular, suggesting there isn't enough input from the supporting cast. And I want to know whether you which, feel which that supporting matters. cast are they talking about? Though? Well, Michael Harbin, I guess, and you know, yeah, fair point. I when mean, Tyreek and Kelsey are, are racking up almost three hundred yards, three touchdowns, does that matter? Well, look at the Super Bowl, and the answer is yes, it does. Mm. Um, what what the Super Bowl game plan was to some extent was was to deny Tyreek Hill any any deep chunk plays mm. and control Kelsey in the middle, give him catches, but not let him gain at yards after the catch mm. in the middle. Um, and I said in the preseason, my in my previews um, in, the, in the column, that they need, like so many teams, they need another receiver. Nicole Hardman is a useful player, but he's not a real good second choice option 
to Hill because his skill set is roughly the same as Hill's, but not as good. I mean, mm -hmm. people think of Hill as a burner, but, you know, he can make contested catches. Um, he can catch over the middle if, if that's what you want him to do. Hardman's not quite that good. They, they need a Sammy Watkins, mm. um, Emmanuel Sanders uh, kind of kind of player. Um, and, and they haven't been able been able to find one. They could also use a second tight end you know, receiving option. Although what Andy would do with two tight end offenses, I'm not sure. Uh, but um, uh, I, I think the depth question on, is more one on the offensive line, which mm. might just be that they haven't worked together. But Niang, the, the right tackle, who was a rookie last year but didn't play because he opted out of the, the season, um, got beat badly a couple of times. Mm. Um and um, Orlando Brown looked very slow as well. They they were both they both looked vulnerable to speed. Um, well, that's where which, the money's money's come in. Obviously, that's what, one of the things they they really showed up in the in the off season. So on that, and it's interesting you touch on it, Mike. How long? What's a realistic amount of time when you've got such a different uh, cast of characters on that line for them to gel? And what should yeah. we be? It's a, it, it's a good question. And, and it becomes a little bit difficult because Mahomes is so good in the breakdown mm. so that, you know, it, it, it covers up the fact that your line may not quite have gelled. But they got two rookies, um, three if you count Niang, who, I, who ought to be a rookie. I think I'm not sure if the NFL counts him as a rookie this year or not. Um, mm. Two new guys, Tooney and um, Brown. And Tooney had a bad penalty yeah. that yeah. hurt them. Um, so yeah, they, they need it on paper. I was saying this looks like a great line, mm. you know, and, and Duvernay Tardif is there to play, you know, to play guard if, 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 um, to spell, yeah, if Smith, the rookie, doesn't, doesn't play well or if they want to move him out to tackle or, or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I, I would, I would say, you know, the month of September is when you find these things out. And, mm. and this has been echoed by a lot of coaches in various ways. Um, and I don't think I didn't hear anyone using it as an excuse, it's certainly not Bill Belichick, but I heard a Bill Belichick interview complaining before the game. I mean, before, you know, the end of preseason that they would only have eight days of contact mm. through training camp and the exhibition games, which is not nowhere near enough, enough. Yeah. to get, you know, you can't, you can't get the timing of an offensive line if you're not playing against a live defensive line right you, know, you can go through the footwork and all but but you, you can't figure out how to make to make that work um and you know we saw a lot of key fumbles in yeah games. right and i'm not i'm not blaming that on only having eight eight games of contact so the, the garoppolo to be fumble, a yeah that's a really good point actually there were there was a lot of um rough around the edges three or four, three or four of those games were pretty much decided gibson's fumble mm -hmm. um was a key one um um, in the Cincinnati um, game, Cook's fumble was a key one. Um, the Patriots had had uh, two key fumbles mm. uh, that cost. They had four fumbles altogether. They lost two, and, and one of them literally cost them the game, mm. the chance to win the game. So yeah, there, there were like three, four games where fumbles were a major, major thing. Let's go on to Seattle. I know we touched on that a little bit earlier, and you mentioned. Shane Waldron, their new coordinator. And as yeah. you quite rightly said, everything's a lot more balanced to, to be precise. Yeah. 23 passing attempts, 26 on the ground. I mean, that's def the definition of balance pretty much. All four of Seattle's touchdown touchdowns in the air, Mike. Uh, so far, so good, Donut. A lot of people, I think, have been sleeping on Seattle. 
going into it. <laughs> Wasn't that a movie? <laughs> that was the sequel that none of the original cast signed up for. <laughs> and uh, in particular, the, the defense, I think we saw them improve a lot last season as the, as the year went on. And love the Diggs, Jamal Adams tandem. But as an overall unit, what's the Carlson grade based, based on, again, small sample size, what you saw last night? I liked it. I liked it a lot because um, Indianapolis is, is still a good defense. Mm. I mean, Russell Wilson, it should be said, is now 6-0 and career against Carlson Wentz. Um, so <laughs> you can, you can write that. That's my favorite of the day. And, and they, they really seem to, you know, to make his life difficult mentally um, during during that game. Mm. But I think Seattle is, is a really good team. Um, and that division is a really good division because even the fourth best team can beat you, um, as mm. Arizona showed. Um you know, can, can, and Kyler Murray had, had a good game. So, yeah, I, I, three playoff teams out of the NFC West yeah. would, not, would not surprise me, actually. Um, but which three, Mike, after Arizona's? Well, Arizona, as I said, are on paper at least the fourth best team. Mm. And, you know, we'll, we'll see um, We'll see what happens. Tennessee's defense was supposed to be better this year, but it didn't look any better. That didn't, that didn't go to plan. You know what I was thinking when I was watching uh, Carson Wentz? Because oh, we watched Meet the Parents the other day uh, the, for the first time with the kids, right? And um, <laughs> one of my favorite lines that I'd forgotten is when uh, early on, and for those of you, I'm sure will have seen it out there, but if you haven't or haven't for a while, Ben Stiller's character is is a nurse, much to the uh, amusement of Robert De Niro and an entire family, it seems, of doctors. And um, the, line, the line when his, his, uh, his fiance says, oh, uh, you know, Ben really, yeah, recently transferred to triage. <laughs> and Blythe Tatter, the mom goes, oh, is that better than a nurse? <laughs> Every time I was watching Carson, Carson Wentz, I was thinking, is he, is that better than a nurse? Was he better than, was he better than we expected Carson Wentz? Everybody was expecting him to stink up the joint. Was Wentz better than most people thought he would be last night? No, no, I think he was, he was sort of what he is. Um, and the idea, the idea is that Frank Wright will bring him around. And we'll see the Wentz pre the pre injury Wentz, and, and mm. I'm not sure that we will see the pre injury Wentz. Mm. Um, we didn't put it this way. We didn't see evidence of that. I think against against Seattle, he still looks a bit hesitant in making Tentative, decisions. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the, that's the key part more than accuracy or anything like that. Mm. Um, and and you could write that off to the injury. Um, it, I guess if if Ben Stiller's character had a job with an NFL team, he'd be called an athletic nurse. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a great film. Uh, Live San Francisco was nuts for all kinds of reasons. Not least, you'll know this, Mike, but for, the, uh, for some of our listeners out there might not have clocked this. The, the, the line closed at eight and a half. <laughs> oh. In the line of San Francisco. Um, see, that, that to me was the ultimate Dan Campbell game. If you knock us down, we're going to bite you off at the knees. You know, mm. we're going to bite your knees and stuff like that. Now, as I said at the time, to do that, you have to be on the ground. You have to be knocked to the ground right. and be, all, be almost dead. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Now, there was a lot of garbage time mm. stuff going on in the in the games around the league uh, on yeah. Sunday. There were a number of scores that look a lot closer than the games actually were. And, and this was one of them, helped by Debo Samuel's fumble yeah. when the game um, that would have ended the game. If he just incredible. Goes down. Uh, but, you, you know, but, but, um, 
what what they played hard. Everyone will say, "Oh, they played hard in the fourth quarter. They came back." But the game was literally out was of, out of reach. Had San Francisco switched off or and thought they'd won it, or should the Lions fans take positives from that because they were the, they were the fans in the stadium were booing the team within the first half of the first game of the season. It was, it was going horribly wrong, and yeah, then what a, that comeback puts a bright light on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think they can take some some hope from it. Um, Jared Goff looked pretty good and pretty much what you might expect on, on that team. Um, mm. You know, I, he made one, he had one bad throw. We got hit his, you know, his arm hit the, hit the uh, helmet of one of his yes. blockers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, that's the problem. He's always had problems in the pocket, pocket mm. presence basically. Um, and still wants to force the throw as the pocket collapses around him. And that's been, that's been his weakness, um, which is why they wanted to get rid of him. Um, but the San Francisco team that cut through them didn't, you know, lost Raheem Mostert. Mm. He had an 11 yard run, a nine yard run, and that was it. Mm. You know, he's, he could be out for a long time too. And, mm. um, you know, they bled, they bled a lot of running backs there. Um, but they, they, they didn't really have an answer for San Francisco's offense. And yeah, you could say they just, San Francisco just got tired. They didn't want to show them anything new. Mm. Why put more stuff up on game tape when, when you're way ahead. Um, and I didn't see, I didn't see apart from the, the defense looked not much quicker than it had with Matt Patricia. Mm. Although I do know, I should note that Trey Flowers made the big play. He was the one who knocked the ball away from Debo Samuel. Um, he may be fated never to be recognized as a really great defensive player <laughs> because mm. of the situations that, that he's been in. Found where, himself in, yeah. You know, in New England, he was, like most players in New England, he was a part of, you know, they, he's not he's not put in like a, a Chandler Jones, for example, mm. you know, not mm. put in, in the... Um, in the place to be an edge rusher and get mm. loads of sacks. He's, he's a piece. And, and then he plays on some bad lions too. So we'll, we'll mm. see. But I really like him as players. Jimmy G shutting up the haters as well after the worst possible start, but that was a composed performance from him. Uh, let's, because we got a, a couple of other key things I want to run through before we get out of Dodge Iron Mike, let's talk about the, maybe the upset of the week, Pittsburgh over, over Buffalo. Would we call it that? Um, it's it was a pretty good upset, you know, and and the funny part no was picking Pittsburgh. I didn't think so anyone picked Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, but but I think we all kind of forgot about Pittsburgh's defense, right? Um, and one of the things I mentioned about Buffalo was that they did tend to score fewer points against good defenses and mm. still win because their defense played so well that they could win with 20 points or 17 in some game. Remember the games, even against New England last year, the games were low-scoring games. Yes. It's not very good Patriots team. And that's kind of what Pittsburgh was like. Um, you know, the first half was incredibly awful. It looked exactly mm. like them against um, Cleveland in the playoffs last year. Yes. And then and then in the second half, they came out and, and Josh Allen never adjusted. <clears throat> they never adjusted to Pittsburgh's defense. Um they pretty much kept pressure on him and, and Ben just without blitzing <laughs> pressure without yeah. blitzing, right? They blitzed just twice. Yeah. Well, you know, on. TJ Watt comes off the edge without it being called a blitz necessarily because mm. he's the fourth 
the fourth rusher. Um, mm. And once or twice he was on a tight end, which is a bad miss, bad miss. <laughs> right. um, but Hayward had a great game at defensive end. And that's the key when you're running a three, four offensive defense. If you can get your, if your ends have any impact apart from occupying blockers for the outside linebackers, then you're way, you're way ahead of the game. Um, but Ben would then just stand there and, and, and look around. He was only basically throwing short stuff almost the whole game, mm. but he's got receivers who can go up and get it. Claypool, I thought, had a really good game. Um, Deontay Johnson came back from the injury and made a brilliant catch on the one long ball they, mm. they actually threw. They weren't able to run the ball very well. Their offensive line didn't look great, but but Buffalo's not a blitzing team either. You mm. know, they, they brought in pass rushers, but they didn't really have much effect. And, and Ben... Ben looks like a sumo wrestler now more, more than anything else. Just built, built, like, built to absorb the shots. Also, the Steelers now have one of my favorite players in the league, mm. Presley Harvin III. <laughs> With a name like Presley Harvin III, he should not be a punter. <laughs> he should he should be a, a wide receiver or a cornerback, or, or else he should be like the head of their PR department. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, quick line on the rookies making their competitive starts. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones, of course. Jones, let's power rank them, I Mike. Yeah. Who's most likely to go to the whole yeah. Mac Well, Jones Mac Jones had, obviously is num- has to be number one because yeah. he played a steady enough game for the Patriots. There was a moment in that game, um, which, which we caught on Red Zone, Jones comes out, it's a third down, and um, the, the Dolphins are, are going to blitz from, the le- from his left side. It's really obvious. They've stacked another guy's coming up. He doesn't see it mm. because he's and, – and he, they run – the Patriots ran a sweep to that side, so obviously they ran right into the blitz. And mm. Harris got, Harris got knocked, knocked back. This is the difference between having a rookie quarterback and having Tom Brady. Mm. is Brady comes out to the line of scrimmage. He's going to look around. And he's going to see that. He's going to know what's going to happen. And he checks the play, play off there. Mm. Jones hasn't reached that level yet, obviously. The first game. As what, one game? But he has to reach the Tom Brady level. He looked well settled. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't, you know, he wasn't world-beating or anything mm. like that, obviously. But they're not expecting him to be, right? That's no, the way no. I think the thing that they've got to worry about is Trent Brown, if he's out. Uh, what that does to their offensive line. Because right. Frank Aaron seemed to play well, but but you know not mm. not quite well enough. It was a game they had won. They they mm. should have won. Um, Miami Miami. It was very situational. It was very mm. you know Brian Flores. Bill, they look good on the first drive. They look good uh, beginning and end of halftime uh, on the both sides of halftime, and then they were awful for for much yeah, right. of the game. Right. Um, and uh, the interception should have pretty much sealed that game. Um, right. And then you got you got the other the other fumble. So um, Mac, it's interesting. It was interesting that he was playing against Sam Darnold because my take was that they had got Sam Sam Darnold Zach. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mac and Zach. Um, my my take was that they had gotten rid of Sam Darnold and drafted the guy most like Sam Darnold. <laughs> sure. But everyone was um, raving about, of course, in the in the preseason. Yeah. Zach Wilson was incredible, lights out, and he didn't really bring that game one. No, I mean he he's still got and 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 again they're not a very still not a very good team. They're, right. you know, they're headed in the right direction. Meanwhile, at Carolina, I think Joe Joe Brady is going to have a head coaching job next year if 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 Sam Darnold plays 
you know, any any part better than he did with the Jets. Mm. Um, and he looked like he would in that game. I think yeah. they were another team. That was a 1914 game, but but really they took their their foot off the pedal. Yes. When yeah, they yeah. were leading, you know, like 1970. They were never going to lose that. Whatever it was. Trevor Lawrence, mixed bag for him. Very mixed bag. Um, Tyrod Taylor, double thumbs up um, for him. Exactly what Tyrod Taylor is kind of like Teddy Bridgewater in that sense. Um, he doesn't process as quickly as Bridgewater, but he, so he doesn't throw balls away too often. He doesn't make bad decisions. He just makes slow decisions. But against Jacksonville, that didn't matter. Defense mm. didn't really put up much of a fight against him. Trevor Lawrence made some nice throws, some really nice throws. Mm. Um, looked like a rookie quarterback at other yeah. times. Uh, I'm not sure what Urban Meyer's doing. I don't know if Urban Meyer's sure what Urban Meyer's doing. You're not a fan, I know. But if you, it, it's a good point, actually, that and to, to bring this full circle, that the ridiculousness of, of overreacting too much. But if you, I was thinking if you put in uh, to a computer program, show me what a prototypical week one rookie quarterback performance would be for a talented NFL quarterback. You'd see what we saw with Trevor Lawrence. It was yeah, great point. Absolutely really good great stuff. point. Really. Um, and, and again, that, that, that conundrum you have with rookie quarterbacks that the best ones tend to go to the worst teams. Right. Which makes adjustment, um, mm. adjustment hard. And um, um, in Urban Meyer, you had the hotshot college coach, the creative mind, very smart coach, has always been able to use his facilities who gets to play easy, some easy games and gets to recruit and all that kind of stuff against a guy with no head coach experience, but a long time NFL coach. Mm. Who basically that Houston team did what they had to do. Mm. They, they kind of took what Jacksonville gave them. And um, yeah. Um, how many times did Trevor Lawrence get sacked? Six was it? Ooh. Um, Cause yeah. I saw a list of the last 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, Scott Caxmer put it up. He's an interesting mm. guy to follow. Um, stat, very, very keen on dredging out stats. You, you wouldn't have Sack stats. <laughs> yeah, but this was one of them. The last 10 quarterbacks who were sacked six times in their first NFL start, rookie quarterbacks, mm. going back to Bobby Hoying. The best one in the bunch is probably Tim Couch. Yes, David Carr. David Carr, I was going to say. Or, be or Tyrod Taylor. Andrew the Luck? Others, was Andrew Luck on there? Uh, no, he didn't get sacked mm. six times in his first start. Um, Pat Ramsey, Bobby Hoying, Dan Orlovsky, Chad Henney. Dan Orlovsky's on there. Yeah. <laughs> right uh, of the show, Dan Deshaun Kaiser. Um, yeah, Orlovsky's really good, isn't he? He's, he picks out some great stuff. Yeah, he's a good guy. We had fun fun with him in Miami, that's for sure. So um, as we expected, I think from, well, I guess with Zach Wilson, perhaps a disappointing performance, but the other two, uh, as you were. Crazy call of the day for me, I Mike, was the, the Justin Herbert fumbled through the back of the end zone. I thought that was ridiculous. That, 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 is, that, is a, that was given as a fumble because he got a vague touch to it. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, and, you know, Mads, think about that game changes. You know, if yes, that's the exactly. case, Washington exactly. with, with with Heineke, who who reaches the parts, other backups don't, um, <laughs> is um, nice. actually, you know, did pretty well. But to me, the surprising thing was that their defense didn't do more mm. uh, against the Chargers. And, of course, that fumble by Gibson changes the game 
um, completely. And yeah, fits his, yeah. fits his injury as well. But, but um, you know, that, that was one of those odd games that makes it really hard to read into because of those few little, little breaks that, you know, you hope that they'll go back and forth in, in the Miami game. One of the, one of the key plays was a run that on, I think it was second and five that the Patriots stuffed at the line of scrimmage, but, but they got four yards because the pile moved, you know, it was, it was like a mall mm. and, and they pushed, pushed, um, I think it was Gaskins the back, but they, they pushed him another three yards. And so yes, they, yeah, yeah, right, they, right. they set up it. the three at the third and one for, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I looked it up because I was saying, why don't they ever call this? The rule says, quote, it is illegal for an offensive player to aid a runner in advancing the ball forward. Mm. Now, t- putting aside the fact that you can't advance the ball in any direction other than forward, mm. or else it's not advancing <laughs> it, but it's a typical sure. NFL rule. Why is that never called? Mm. You know, maybe, it's the, and, maybe it's the individual because there are a few of them. Maybe that's how they. Well, the whole the whole around. group, and and I noticed too that the center, Miami center, came out limping from that because this is what happens. Everybody's pushing forward, and and your teammate behind you falls yeah. on your falls leg, on your ankle. Basically. Yeah, there you go. And, and that, uh, but but I mean, it is a rule, and it's completely ignored. Um, and the, I, yeah, they should like put an emphasis on it. If that's if that's what they want to do, uh, uh, incidentally, on Fitz, he's having an MRI on his hip. Uh, so the time recorded now, how serious that he's is. Old, he's old enough to get a replacement hip on the <laughs> NHS. Stop it. Yeah, and just one thing be- before we leave, um, and I know we've got one more thing. The outstanding rookie to me was Micah Parsons. Yes, from last Thursday night, yeah. tremendous game. I mean, he's yeah. going to be a tremendous player. Yeah, he well, all the love for him, particularly. Uh, he's got the hard knocks bounce as well, which. Uh, uh, you tend to, I think, look through a, a bit of a filter at players on Hard Knocks and think, actually, producer O was uh, making this exact point that you, you look at certain players, you watch Hard Knocks, you start to drink the Kool-Aid and believe, but it, he's actually living up to living up to that billing. So it's good to see. Uh, before we get out of uh, out of Dodge, I'm Mike, we want to raise our glass to one of the greats that has left us, uh, Mick Tinglehoff, Hall of Famer. Tell us all about him. And uh, Yeah, Mick, Mick Tinglehoff was a center for the Vikings on those really good Viking teams that went to four Super Bowls and didn't, didn't win any of them. Um, coming out of college, they actually drafted – they didn't draft him. They signed him undrafted. It was a linebacker. He was, I think it was Nebraska who played that. And he said his family didn't want him to go to college because they wanted him to work on the farm mm-hmm. <laughs> and football. He never made be, make anything of himself playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, <laughs> he was the center on that team. He was only 235 or so, mm. which even in those days was fairly small for a center. Yeah. Um, and he didn't get into the hall. I mean, he had finally, he was first team all pro five times, I think, and went to six pro bowls or whatever. You know, certainly the stats to justify going to uh, the Hall of Fame. He didn't go to the Hall of Fame until the Veterans Committee voted him in, primarily because in the fourth Super Bowl, the first one they lost to the Chiefs, the Chiefs realized that the Minnesota offense, the running, which was a run first kind of offense, was based on Tinglehoff getting out from center and controlling the middle linebacker. Mm. And remember, for the Vikings in those days, you were playing against some really good middle linebackers, not least Dick Butkus and mm. Ray Nitschke and Joe Schmidt, you know, in the in that division, basically. Mm. And they had Willie Lanier, who was a really good middle linebacker. Um, so what they did was play an odd front which meant that on every play he had either Buck Buchanan, six foot seven, 285 pounds, or Curly Culp, 
six foot one, two hundred and seventy-five pounds, mm. a, a college wrestling star, and, and very hard <laughs> to move. But he had one of them over him, which meant that Lanier was protected. The Vikings guards couldn't get to him before he would read the play and make make plays on it. And that was this, one of the secrets to the Chiefs' success. And the blame was put on Tinglehoff for getting dominated by these guys on, on top of when him, it was a which was a great game plan, but certainly didn't do enough to offset everything else he did as, as a player. Mm. And But I think that stuck with him for the years when he was eligible. And finally, the Veterans Committee voted him in, which he should have been voted in years, years before. Mm. And, you know, thankfully, before he... Um, he died from Parkinson's and symptoms of Alzheimer's in a nursing home. You know, so fortunately, before he reached that point, he wasn't able to really appreciate it. So, yeah, yeah glasses raised to Mick Tingle was a hell of a football player. Indeed, well said. Uh, and a fine way to end the episode. Great to catch up with you, Iron Mike. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Uh, I check just out. wish I had as much sunlight in my room as you do. Hey, we can work on that. We'll get that. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get Carson on a home makeover show. There we go. So we've got Rufus <laughs> and Matilda the cat. <laughs> I'm Mike's makeovers. We're in yeah. I always thought those home makeover shows would just, you know, slap a few cans of Pharaoh and ball on it. And you'll, you'll make a massive 35,000 pounds more. <laughs> 35 grand. They always say grand. 35 grand more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking there is a show right here. I might, let's go work on the treatment. Uh, look after yourself at Carlson sports. So you can follow Mike on Twitter. Uh, uh, the over under for next Sunday, 114 tweets. So let's see, <laughs> see if he makes it. Uh, out of yeah, course, maybe uh, I'll have a beer. Maybe I'll have a beer with oh, my, it, when Red Zone goes on. And- bottle of red. I'm gonna I'm gonna bite one over to you. Actually, we see each other for lunch on Thursday, so I'm gonna yeah. I'll bring a bottle. Bring a bottle of claret. That's your red zone claret. (laughs) By about (laughs) 8.15, that's when things will get really frisky. Uh, And of course, Mike's uh, column, amongst all the other things that he does, uh, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F-M-T-E. Go and check that out. Uh, I heartily and personally recommend it. Look after yourself, bud. Okay, you too, mate. Brilliant stuff from Iron Mike. We're back later on this week, previewing the week two action, dropping an edge rush too. So make sure you subscribe to us so you won't miss an episode. We're rolling all the way through the season on social as well, at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Ollie and I are going to go get busy now working at the Matilda and Rufus Show. So expect that coming your way soon as well. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.